Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast, hosted as always by Bucks and Brian. Brian, you're soaring, man. How you doing? Another Green Arrow Bucks. Things are going quite swimmingly for your boy. We're hoping to close down in the top 10K by season's end. So all is peachy over here. How are you doing, mate? Uh, I'm hanging in there. I have a little bit of dried pee on me because I haven't showered and we are starting potty training. Uh, but honestly, today went <laughs> about as well as my game week 33 did. Uh, I got a small red arrow, but uh, optimistic about things to come. Uh, let's let's dive so, into it. So, Bucks, you're feeling like Chelsea just got a uh, peed and pooped on this uh, this week by Arsenal, our nemeses. Oof. Listen, I understand uh, some of the stress that is associated with parenting a lot more intimately now that I've kind of crossed the chasm on teething, on sleep training, and now we're entering potty training. The fun is just really beginning. And I think you could say the same thing about the Premier League season because we're entering game week 34, which means there are only five game weeks left in this season. And it has been some hell of a season, hasn't it? Where has the time gone, Bucks? Only five more chances at glory. Only a few transfers left. I can definitely forecast some hits in our future to try and get a chunk rise in our overall ranks. So we're looking forward to it and lots of double game weeks to come. So I think this is, again, a super unique season with COVID and all these cancellations. And hopefully next season where all systems go back to normal. But then again, we do have the World Cup in the middle of the season, so it's going to be uh, another interesting one, as it always is. So let's jump into it, Bucks. How did you do? Double game week 33 was okay to me. I ended up on 69 points <laughs> and a uh, 3,000. Yeah, small 3,000 spot red arrow. I'm down at 139,000 in the world. And honestly, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the result. I saved my transfer, so I'll have two free transfers to attack double game week 34. I did not use my, yeah, I didn't use a free hit chip, so I still have both free hit bonus power-ups remaining. And, you know, to get a small red arrow in spite of totally whiffing on my captain selection, I feel like I honestly came out pretty lucky, all things considered. Uh, I had Sun as my captain. He was in the first early match of double game week 33, which is uh, a rule that is a rule for a reason, because I don't think Spurs got on the team bus. They uh, totally no showed that opening match. I got lucky. That oh man, bucks. Oh, so brutal. That's, that's such a tough one. Cause I know we, we talk about the mental ups and downs of FPL and the daily swings that are to come when you have a long game week, especially this one. And it's uh, kind of interesting because I moved away from a Spurs asset and moved to Mo Salah based on that first 4.30 a.m. fixture. Um, so you were on the other side of that coin flip this week, but you did own Mo Salah, so that still helped and helped you get a pretty much gray dot this week. Yeah, so my son, Captain, he ends up with six points, Salah 19, Saka with 10, Dubrovka with eight and then I had Trent, Rabo, and Ianacho each add six. So pretty, pretty strong showing for my team. I'll, I'll take that. And uh, I really need to nail captaincy and my transfers for the rest of the season if I'm going to rise rank and have a shot at, uh, you know, hitting my goals for the season uh, with a top 50K finish. How about you, Bri? 
Thanks, Buck. So I ended up on 85 points and I had two oh, free transfers going into this game week. Yeah, a solid um, 4.7K green arrow. And this takes me up to 17.4K overall. I, I was really in a good spot this game week. I had two free transfers. I literally did not know what to do, though. I was very perplexed. I was thinking about taking a hit for Madison, but since he played in Europa and they continue to advance, I just didn't think his minutes were going to be there. And um, he was somebody I was actually eyeing for captaincy. So I was very fortunate to just move my weakest link, which was Doherty. And I moved him to Matip and still put Matip first on my bench and then rolled the other transfer. So I do have two free transfers going into this week, which is a very strong position given the Chelsea double game week. But uh, I ended up on captaining Mo Salah, who had an absolutely tremendous effort he was a player that obviously is always able to explode at any time. And given that he had 24 points earlier in the season versus the Manchester United defense, I thought he would, could be primed to get back to his goal scoring ways. He hadn't scored a goal sent in open play in almost like two months. And this was a big haul for him. And there was an absolute uh, obliteration of Manchester United. They, they owe Liverpool a lot of money for, paying them for that lesson and putting on that clinic for them to see how football is truly played. And uh, yeah, that, that was a huge call. So 38 points from him, two goals and one assist. Plus this was an opportunity for you, Brian, where not only did you nail captaincy on putting the armband on Mo Salah, but he really was differential this game week because there were so many uh, other FPL managers who went for other double game week players like Saka, like Madison, uh, like some other players. And the fact that you had Salah as a differential and he really delivered, uh, that was huge for you. Yeah, definitely a huge call. Uh, 38 points again. I think I've been on the kind of, not the wrong side of recent captaincies, but I have gone with Kane twice over Sun in the last couple of game weeks where Sun's the one bagging those braces and those hat tricks. So this one felt good. Uh, elsewhere on the side, started Dubrovka over Ramsdale. That was the big one, eight points for Dubrovka. And then uh, Alexander, Arnold, Laporte, and then Matip comes in all six points for each of those guys in my defense. Um, so that was huge because Rudiger was out with a knock that we didn't hear about. And my, my transfer this week was Matip. So he comes in for six. Then I also had Saka get a cheeky pen for 10 points. And then my front line was very, um, very disappointing with three from Barroja, one from Tony and two from Kane. So had a lot of yellow cards between Broja and Tony and uh, also white in the defense. So, but overall, again, huge, a huge week for me. And I was, I felt very lucky because both of the Liverpool and Manchester city fixtures ended up in, you know, three, four nil, you know, score lines, but I have the weaker center backs. I have Matip, I have Laporte. Um, so I don't have, those other attacking fullbacks and they all ended up on six points. So that effective ownership did not come to haunt me at all. And I'm happy to have these cheaper kind of automatic cleans right now uh, moving forward. So looking forward to hopefully pushing on to the top 10 K that's, that's the goal of this, this, um, this season bucks. And I got two free transfers in hand and I have two free hits left to you. So definitely in a good position. Massive. Yeah. No one's uh, playing their little violin for you. And uh, some of those yellow cards you took, Brian, I apologize, but uh, you're well positioned for a really tremendous and uh, historic finish uh, in the FPL rankings. Uh, 
for your whole career, I think you're, you're eyeing maybe uh, a finish within the top 10K, which would be unbelievable to say the least. Yeah, that, that would be my my first time in the top 10K. My best overall rank was 11.5K, uh, specifically 11,571st in the world, I believe in 2018, 2019. So really um, proud of this bounce back year after finishing 66K last year. But we move onwards, Bucks. Let's talk about the standout uh, manager of the game week. And that's Sandy Grasby. Wow. Yes, Sandy. This team totaled. 97 points yeah 30 thighs uh sandy's team uh took a hit <laughs> so they were on 101 points end up net 97 overall massive way to execute a bench boost power-up chip uh they had returns from all four bench players including veghorse with 10 char with nine and ederson and laporte with six each so that's 31 points extra just from bench boost so a uh, little golf clap for you sandy on nailing that they had Sala with 19, Target with 11, Sokka with 10, Madison captain, a little bit differential with the double game week. That was kind of a dud for six, but then Rabo and Cancelo each add six and St. Maxman and Jota each add four. So very nicely done. Another seemingly complete team. Uh, I know last week we highlighted that there were two managers in the FPL Blues Super League that ended up on triple digits, Sandy felt just short, but again, really, really strong showings from members of our mini league. And this is all happening in a cup. So congratulations to you, Sandy, for sure. You advance to the next round and will be alive for game week 34. Yeah. Incredible outcome given that her captain blanked and only got six points Sala or even a different player in her lineup, she would have had even more points. So well done. And like Buck said, Make sure to check your scores in the app with your matchup in the head-to-head cup. And we wish you the best of luck in double game week 34. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to discuss some of the happenings around the Premier League, including our top performers and biggest belly floppers of double game week 33. And we're back. The top performers in double game week 33 featured some common names like Mo Salah, the FPL God King, Egyptian King. We are not worthy. He is on track. If he averages nine points in his remaining matches, he will tie the highest ever score in FPL, which he recorded back in the 2018-2019 season of 303 points. He is merely 54 points off that mark. And with the remaining fixtures for Liverpool, I rate that he's going to actually best that total. And he put himself, he put himself in a really strong position. I mean, these 19 points today or this game week against man United with the brace assist clean sheet and three bonus. I mean, when Mo scores, Mo eats three bonus points. That's pretty much the recipe to massive FPL halls. And this season he is absolutely crushing it. So kudos to you. Kudos to other FPL managers who captained Mo Salah really the best FPL player I've ever seen in my two seasons playing the game. Part of me wants him to slow down a bit, Bucks, because he's going to be gunning for a 13.5 million pound price tag next season. If he keeps these 300 point plus uh, outcomes, absolutely phenomenal player and just happy to see him, you know, be so greedy. He was very hungry for goals and for points. He was, I saw a few times when he uh, crossed and landed at his feet, he was kicking the ground. He was ready for, uh, another uh, goal late in that match and 
that that was uh, definitely uh, icing on the cake. It was amazing. I I think Mo Salah wanted to pour it on in that match even more than the fans at Anfield did. They he wanted that fifth goal. He wanted the hat trick so badly. He was like chasing the ball he threw the ball at the stanchion when it went out of bounds and he was chasing it he like was so motivated and it's great to see uh not just for fpl but for liverpool's hopes of the quadruple the fact that their players are really really chasing it uh, i love to see that I, I think they're playing with the right amount of intensity um to compete for such a audacious honor and when we look at the rest of their team um some huge performances from Luis Diaz from the likes of Mane, each of those players registered at least goal and an assist. So they're clearly linking up well. And I think they're probably Klopp's favored front three, uh, which we also saw in the recent UCL uh, matchup. So very, very differential assets there to be possibly considered when you're looking at free hitting, especially in double game week 36. It really could be a, a way to kind of get some other points uh, outside of Mo Salah and have maybe a double up on the likes of Mane and, um, and Salah. Yeah. One thing you did mention that you think Mo Salah is set to have a massive price correction, maybe even a positional correction uh, next season, moving from midfield to forward. I've heard some rumors about that, but you know what, more importantly in the short term, I think he's proving that he is worth whatever he's asking from Liverpool, uh, whether it's 500,000 a week. I mean, if city is going to sign Holland, and he's a young player for 500000 a week, then Mo Salah, a proven commodity, a proven goal scorer, a proven top star of the Premier League, he absolutely deserves that same figure, uh, at least to my eyes. And he's a fitness monster. He really wants to play every single match. You know, Klopp has to protect him from himself at times, but he's always available for Liverpool in all these different cup competitions, and they're going for the quad this year so they they need him to be fresh and he's obviously you know rocking his six-pack and ready to uh keep going great shout love the six-pack reference with uh me <laughs> opposite you and my dad bod uh one more player we want to shout I mean, out bucks bucks the, the only six-pack i have is in the fridge that's that's for sure easy easy <laughs> joke to be made but we're we're in it's our true. 30s now and we're not pro athletes <laughs> <laughs> all right we want to shout out two other players. The first is making their debut on the top performers, and that's Bruno Jimares, a player that was brought in the winter transfer window to Newcastle to kind of anchor and be a creative engine in the midfield. And holy shit, I'm using curses. Let's unbleep this episode. He absolutely crushed it. And we have to shout out a, another uh, popular FPL influencer account, and that's AZ because he went absolutely differential. He was talking about it all week on Twitter and he backed Bruno G with the captain's armband and (laughs) smashed it. He was the top scoring player in double game week 33 with 20 points. He had a brace uh, assist clean sheet and three bonus points. Plus he had four points for two 90 minute showings. So the fact that he got a a yellow card uh, didn't even take him down to equal Salah. He was still one more than Salah. And I think he's under 6 million in midfield. So massive shout out to AZ. Massive shout out. He's no, he's nowhere close to 6 million. He was 4.9 million going into this game. Oh my God. What a joke. um, As, as from fantasy football scout, who's does a lot of content creation and he's a 
longtime player in the FPL community, um, does a lot of videos that, that I like to tune into during the uh, midweeks. He really was, it was a ballsy call because he's also top 1500 in the world, right? So he goes, he brings in a 4.9 million pound midfielder for Newcastle. And then he caps him and he outscores captains of Salah, like truly incredible um, outcome for him. But yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he had the game winning goal in extra time uh, was huge. I mean, St. James Park was absolutely rocking and it's a, definitely going to be a, a fearful place to play in next season, especially if you are, you know, mid table or bottom of the table, it's going to be hard to go into that environment and win games. And this is even before they make a slew of summer signings. So definitely optimism for the Newcastle team and Eddie Howe's done a, a great job. So looking forward to them being more of a force next year. Yeah, here's a fun fact. Since Eddie Howe came in to take over management of Newcastle, they're actually top of the table for total points earned. They're above Man City. They're above Liverpool. So he is just doing a massively class job as the manager. He's righted the defense with some of their uh, acquisitions, and they just look like a totally revamped team in one kind of mid-season transfer window. I can't imagine what that team is going to look like entering next season with a full summer transfer window and all the Saudi funds uh, at play and on the table for them to splash cash at exciting players from around the world. Should be fun. Yeah, we'll have to refer him to to him as Bruno G because I don't know how to say his last name. Garamish? I, I, it's It's got the yeah, that's an easy one. Come on. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll have to work on that um, moving forward. But all right, last player we want to highlight is Cristiano Ronaldo. He comes in with a hat trick and three full bonus points for 17 points in the game versus Norwich. He makes a free kick. He gets a header. He was everywhere on the pitch and they pull out a really a thrilling victory versus Norwich three to two. And then, unfortunately, he misses the second game due to some personal reasons. We uh, send prayers up and RIP to his little baby boy. I have no idea, you know, what his timetable is for the rest of the season. And, um, you know, definitely a tough one for those who brought him in on a free hit and captained him because after 34 points, you're like, ooh, if I could just get sneak in a, an assist or a goal in the Liverpool match, that'd be fantastic. But uh, again, bigger, bigger than FPL, bigger than Premier League. So good to see him spending time with his family and his loved ones. Yeah, well said. Condolences to Cristiano Ronaldo and his whole family. Um, guy's just a legend on the pitch and off the pitch. The fact that he's now netted another hat trick at age 37 for Man United. Uh, just pretty incredible. The focus he must have in the gym, on his diet, on his recovery. I mean, there's so much that fellow Man United players, I feel like are not taking advantage of having such a legend sitting with them in the locker room. And they're really out and out, just having a very black and mediocre season. So uh, nice to kind of sp spotlight Ronaldo, uh, both as a star on the pitch and just doing the right thing and going to be with his family. Again, condolences to him and his family in this most difficult time. With that, let's stop with the niceness. Let's get to the dog shit players from double game week 33 what's <laughs> who not stepped even... in the poop who stepped in the poop bucks tell us i don't know i feel like the fpl managers who brought in and captain bruno fernandez stepped in the poop because he himself 
was absolute shit in this double game week. He ends up on three points, zero returns, one yellow card, and an absolutely underwhelming double game week performance from Bruno F. He earns an F on my rating for this performance and pretty massive to see that both Norwich and Liverpool really controlled the middle of the park. I think uh, United was lucky that they had Ronaldo in such form because they were not getting a result in that match without him. And the fact that Bruno Fernandes was almost invisible in both matches of this double game week is a really bad sign because he normally does play better with Ronaldo off the pitch. So, you know, no one really held a candle to Liverpool in that match. So uh, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, it's definitely a tough one for FPL. I think watching the matches and just thinking about his positioning, he basically was playing center defensive midfielder. He had to drop back because there's been numerous injuries. So they didn't have Fred McSauce. Pogba got injured. They don't have very much depth there. So Matic is playing some minutes and he's well over the hill as well. So better days ahead, probably next season. You know, I don't think Bruno is an asset that you're going to rush to bring in for this double game week in 34, but uh, it's tough times all around the pitch for the likes of Manchester United. And you know, with that being said, we do want to highlight that they did officially announce their new manager, Eric Ten Hag, for the upcoming season. So they're going to have a gut job, honestly, of, of this team. There's going to be six to eight new players coming in. And uh, you know, I think next year we'll have a fresh look at Manchester United in terms of their style and in terms of their personnel. Yeah, and uh, you actually led me perfectly to my next uh, kind of flopper. And that goes to the Manchester United leadership because they've now had four coaches uh, officially this season. That is just a massive uh, hullabaloo. That is a cluster. They are just not doing any favors for their players because uh, when a new manager comes in, they normally implement their own training philosophy, their own system. And the fact that they've kind of been a little bit here, a little bit there and uh, all over the place is is shown in kind of the season that they're having. They they really have a chance at competing and finishing with a European position, but I have no confidence that you would say any Manchester United fan would say that this was a successful season. So uh, with that, let's focus more on the players on the field. Uh, we can move on to Spurs attacking players, specifically Kane and Son. Uh, I think this was just a very Spursy result, and the fact that they came out and really didn't make an impact at all. Uh, just very frustrating, especially as a Sun captainer, uh, that it just didn't look like Spurs really wanted to win the game, let alone get even a point for a draw. You've definitely you know, lauded Graham Potter on this podcast in the past, Bucks. So he parks the bus. He doesn't play, you know, Trossard or Mopai early in the match. Um, definitely again. Brighton can be a very tricky team um, to, to break down given their kind of defensive shape. And that was clearly the case in this match. So better days to come again, after returning nearly 10 to 15 FPL points for each of Sun and Kane in the last like five weeks and really saving all of our scores game week in game week out, they're going to come back down to earth at some point. But I still think Kane and Sun you know, one you want to have one of those guys in your team moving forward still. So don't don't rush to you know fire sale them uh, out of your team. Yeah, they still have good fixtures to come. Lastly, we want to go and put the kind of shit o meter on one Reese James. 
he had zero points once again. And this is a crazy stat. Since game week 19, he has 10 zero-point results, two one-point results, and one 18-point result. So, of course, many FPL managers like myself brought him in after that 18-point explosion. And unfortunately, he's just blanked after blanked after blanked. And the Chelsea defense, uh, especially now that Rudiger might be injured, just looks totally shook. So uh, this is a huge, huge question mark and a potential problem area on many an FPL manager's uh, thoughts. And I know he's potentially on the chopping block on my team uh, for sure. Very tough because he's obviously talented and has the ability to whip, you know, really great crosses in and feature in the wing back position. But given his injury history, we just, we're seeing Tuchel play him and kind of split time. Like he split time with Aspie between right center back and then played right wing back in the second half of the game. So it has a lot of managers kind of worried to understand about his positioning. But with that being said, if he's in your squad, you definitely keep him, you hold him. I would not be bringing him in per se. Like I would probably take a punt on somebody like Alonzo, who's going to be more nailed in the left wing back position and also cheaper at 5.5 million. So definitely food for thought when you're looking at making your transfers for this upcoming double game week. But those are some crazy stats bucks to have, you know, 10 zero point results in your side um you know i i missed his big 18 point haul when i wild carded in game week 28 and that one really cost me but i haven't had him since and i've just wrote it out with rudiger so um those those again some of these players availab availability is a skill it's a talent that you need to have in your fpl side and right now we're getting such mixed results from the likes of the chelsea defense and reese james specifically for sure. All right, let's look ahead to double game week 34. This is a small double game week. Manchester United and Chelsea will be the only teams with two games a pop. Chelsea play West Ham at home and then travel to Man United for their second match. And United play Arsenal away and then get some home cooking against Chelsea. So I think fair to say that priority transfers uh, for game week 34 should be centered around probably Chelsea players. If you don't already have uh, two of them, you probably want to have at least a double up on Chelsea. I think at this point, because of the Ronaldo uncertainty and because of what we've seen from United in recent performances, I'm going to be skipping uh, bringing in any of their players because I don't have confidence in which team is going to get off the bus uh, game in and game out. And Arsenal and Chelsea are teams that are extraordinarily motivated for a top four finish. So those are not going to be easy games by any means worth saying. The other team that I think should be a priority transfer would be man city. Now they don't have any double game weeks and they haven't had one all season, but they just continue to tick on and get results. And I think that between Chelsea and Manchester city, that's where you need to be making your transfers for game week 34 to set yourself up, not just for this game week, but also Man City are going to be doubling in 37, which is going to be a very differential time to be loaded up on City players. What do you think on that, Brian? What's your take? Yeah, Bucks, let's take a step back before we talk about City. When we look at Chelsea assets, I know all of us were thinking about a defensive double up with Rudiger and Alonso or Alonso and James. You know, they've been a little bit shaky at the back and we've kind of seen them give up you know, some big score lines, four goals given up to Arsenal, 
We've also seen them give up a lot of goals to Real Madrid in Champions League. So they're definitely not in the best form. And therefore, one of their defenders and one of their attackers. I think that's a probably a good spot to be in. You could go all in and get two of their attackers and have one defender because we are seeing some informed players in Mount and Havertz who are both sub 8 million. And so they have good price tags to fit into your team. But there's also another player we should talk about, Bucks, and that is one Timo Werner, who is rounding into form, some of his best form as a Chelsea lad. And he comes off the back of an eight point and 15 point haul, respectively. And he's somebody who's opening up a lot of space for the likes of Mason Mounts. And that I see him coming in, making these late runs into the box and getting a lot of more, um, you know, timely closer to the uh, keeper shots compared to when he's been paired with Lukaku or somebody else. So I, I like the upside of the Chelsea attack in these two fixtures, especially after seeing Manchester United ship away goal after goal versus Liverpool. Yeah. And Timo is looking not so terrible after all, finally. And I think part of what gave Man United defense problems against Liverpool was their collective team speed. And Werner is no short on burst. He is, he is real quick. And I think that both he, Mount, and Kai have locked up that they are the best three forward players for Chelsea at this point in the formation that Tuchel is is implementing. Excuse me. And so I think that if you were thinking about using a free hit in game week 34, it crossed my mind, admittedly, but I have two free transfers. So that would wipe Same out. Here. Same here. So if I didn't have that conundrum, I would consider bailing on the Chelsea defenders and triple up actually on their attackers. I would go uh, Havertz, Mount, and Werner, and I would ditch Reese James because, as I said, he's boom or bust, the epitome, definition of that phrase. And <laughs> Rudiger is out with a groin injury. We're going to see at the press conference what the report is, but I would be shocked if they risk him in that West Ham match. So I think best case scenario for Rudiger is he's playing one match against United and then is fit to play the rest of the season, and most specifically the FA Cup at the end of the season, which we really need him healthy for. Yeah, good call, Bucks. I have Rudiger in my side right now. I'm definitely going to hold him because, again, I need to address other transfers in my team and we only have a few left. So, you know, you could look at potentially benching him. I'm going to start him for one match you know i think again like you said he's probably going to play one but even if he plays one he's uh just such a the heart of the chelsea defense and you know you were talking about earlier about giving mo Salah the bag it's clearly evident that chelsea need to give whatever money that they can drum up from the the old chelsea uh funds and the wealth management and pay that man his money because chelsea's defense looked so um unorganized without him inspiring their defense yeah, I want to second and double click on what you just said. I totally agree. I think that they should be paying Rudiger what he's asking for. Clearly, the young players like Saar, like uh, Christensen, who's headed out, and Chalva, they're not ready to take over the mantle from Rudiger, and he's just worth it. And I think this might be crazy, but I think he's potentially the best captain option for Chelsea next season. I think they re-sign him. They give him the money. He's the emotional and vocal leader of this team. And you always see it when there's scraps or there's head-to-head -head or any 
contests around the referee or around the challenge who comes in out of nowhere to break it up or to incite further chaos. It's Tony Rudiger. He really is the mean streak. He is the emotional leader for Chelsea and you see it missing when he doesn't play. I mean, Tiago Silva, obviously very experienced player, very level-headed. He's not in the same level of his career that Rudiger is right now. And so I think keeping both of them is the right course of action for next season and beyond. We'll see. Rudiger should really be the kind of uh, heir to the throne of one of the best center backs in the world. Yeah, I like that call, Bucks. Um, So now just to double down on the kind of head-to-head because – a lot of managers are considering either Havertz or Mount. And so just want to share some of the data from the last six game weeks from game week 28 to 33, because we've seen Havertz play in that forward position and Lukaku relegated to the bench. So in the last five appearance appearances, Havertz has five goals and one assist, where Mount has three goals and two assists. So pretty, pretty close there, but obviously Havertz playing out of position, he gets more points for those goals. So that's big. The shots um, in the box, I think, is also important because Havertz is much closer to goal. So we're seeing the Chelsea players play the ball up top and get him in the right position. So he's had 14 shots in the box in the last five appearances, whereas Mount's only had six. So I think the likelihood of closer, more goals is probably going to be Kai. But Mount has trickled along and he has he just put an assist versus Arsenal. So he's a guy that can also be boomer bust. So I don't think there's much in between both of those guys. Um, the expected goals for Havertz is much higher at four, whereas over the last five appearances, Mount's only XG is 1.6. So I think, again, it depends what you're going to do with that slot for the rest of your season. I'm thinking about bringing in Mount personally and holding him until the end of the season. Whereas if you were going to bring in Havertz, I think it's a Definitely something that could be boomer bust, but he does have a couple braces in him this season. So I'm a little tight for cash, as we'll discuss a little later in the episode. And Mount is set to price rise this evening. We're recording right now. It's about 8 p.m. on the East Coast. So uh, this won't go out uh, before you know from us on the podcast. But Mount is set to price rise. uh, So keep an eye on that. And I think that Mount is the better investment because I think he's more a lock for minutes. And because of that, I think that I'm really just betting on the collective opportunity. I think that West Ham and Man United, they're not great teams at the back, but they both do have something to play for. So I think that these are going to be tight games. And I just think that Mount is a better chance of getting some kind of return uh, in each match. So because of that, I'm, I'm going with Mount. He's slightly cheaper. He's 7.6 million. Kai is 7.9. And going forward, I think either of them could be easy swaps to Phil Foden uh, later in the season. So that's really what I'm earmarking. I want Mount today and potentially later further down the road, he'll turn into Phil Foden uh, when Man City potentially have a double game week or even just later in the season when City have it all to play for and Chelsea might have it a little more figured out. Yeah, it's interesting because Havertz actually was rested in the match versus Arsenal. So when we're talking about minutes, we're not really sure. Mount has seemed more nailed this season, but since Havertz is just coming off of 45 minutes of rest in the previous match, I wonder if he's more nailed for the next two. So again, Hard to, hard to say, but they're both part of Chelsea's top three 
um, from an attacking perspective. And so I, I really don't think you can go wrong with either. And it just depends on your funds and who you might personally have a more of an affinity, affinity towards. All right, let's move on to the single game weeks we think are worth targeting in game week 34. And that starts with the team at the top of the table, Watford travel to the Etihad to play at Man City. I am a team currently that has zero Manchester City assets, and I'm absolutely panicked about the potential yeah, for... That's- that's scary, uh, Bucks. <laughs> this 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 is one of my priority moves for sure today. And again, you know, I I teased the idea of potentially free hitting. One of the reasons I thought that made a lot of sense is because I could triple up on Manchester City for this match, and I think it's a shoe in that they're going to absolutely dominate uh, Watford, who has nothing to play for. They're locked in a relegation spot. Bucks, I think this is again a reason why some people are actually considering using a free hit chip in game week 34 because you could get three chelsea players and you could also hand choose the right city players to take down watford and this is a big opportunity because if you were to free hit you could maybe bring in a mares or a sterling and those are players that nobody else is going to own this game week so i do kind of see the interest there but uh, personally for me i'm looking at doubling up on their defense because they just look so sound because they have so much possession. You know what you're going to get. They have a great goalkeeper behind them. They rarely make mistakes. Like the mistake that Christensen made, you see that maybe once an entire season from the likes of Manchester City. And you know that's not going to be a a way that you lose that clean sheet. So I do do kind of back Laporte and Cancelo as consistent starters for the rest of the season, getting you six to nine points. Yeah, you saw that one mistake actually uh, from Zach Steffen in the uh, FA Cup against Liverpool when he uh, oh, tried to well. <laughs> he tried to replicate uh, what Ederson did, kind of uh, dummying the ball and letting it continue to run. And uh, Zach Steffen uh, clearly is not the same caliber player that Ederson is, and the ball ended up uh, uh, ticked right into the back of his net. Let's keep it moving. Newcastle travel to Norwich in a battle of former relegation team versus a locked in 20th place side. I think that Norwich has already officially been relegated. So, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier in the episode, Newcastle, one of the hottest teams in the league versus the clear bottom side of the table. So I think Newcastle is a team that if you loaded up on them for the double game week, they had in 33, keep the faith, move that player on and keep them in your lineup for 34 uh, against Norwich. It's been really impressive that Eddie Howe, who was more for his attacking output at Bournemouth, has really solidified their defense. And they just made really savvy transfers in the January window, bringing in Dan Byrne, starting Shar, playing him a lot more minutes, having Target, who has great Premier League experience from Villa. Those guys are all very solid, and they've given up very few goals other than a blip to Spurs over the last couple of months. So you... And I will gladly start Dubrovka. And then some people even double up with Dubrovka and Shar. Uh, it's very impressive for those for those players who turn to them and you you use this moment versus Norwich, hopefully get another clean sheet. And then after that, their run is very tough. And then you just bench those cheap assets from a defensive point of view and focus on transfers elsewhere. Absolutely. All right, moving on. We got two derby matches. Tottenham traveled to Brentford for a kind of unusual London Derby and Everton go to Liverpool. Oh my God. I feel for Frank Lampard a little bit in this match at Anfield. 
uh, against uh, a very motivated Liverpool side. Uh, so I think those are the four single game week uh, matchups that you want to be uh, really targeting and prioritizing uh, having your starting 11 be from those matches. Anything to add before we move on, Brian? Yeah, I think the Tottenham versus Brentford match could be a little bit cagey. We're seeing Brentford play with a lot more passion as of late, and this could also be a good kind of uh, audition for Christian Eriksen to maybe come back to Spurs. There's been some rumors there, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays against his old squad. And when we look at the likes of Everton versus Liverpool. I think there actually might be some rotation this week, which has me a little worried bucks. I think this is a probably a prime time to rest Robertson and play Simikas instead, or maybe play Mane and Salah fewer minutes and maybe get Firmino and uh, get um, uh, Jota in there as well. So that is a, is a match that could be a bit tricky. And I think when we're looking at captain later, we'll have to really decide if Salah is going to play the full 90. Fair, and I, I love the Christian Eriksen shout, but uh, we got we got a lot of episode left. So let's get to our second break. When we come back, we'll address community questions. All right, time for community questions. Thank you very much for your engagement and sending a few of these in. So we'll kind of spend a few minutes talking about each of these. So the first one is from Alec, who asks, if you have a wild card left, what's the best time to use it? And then the same for the bench boost. Alec, I'm very jealous if you are in this position and have a wild card left because bench boost for game week 36 is going to be a massive, massive play. So that is 100% the play if you can wild card either this game week to get in some of those Chelsea assets and then prepare for the bench boost in 36. That is 100% the optimal setup. Do you agree, Bucks? Yeah, I would say a triple up on Man City, a triple up on Liverpool, and a triple up on Chelsea if possible. And then I'd fill up the rest of my team with players from Arsenal and Spurs. Uh, again, I know pricing-wise that's going to be difficult, but I would want my starting 11 to really only reflect the teams that still have something to play for, and a wild card allows you to do that. So I think there are cheap players that we'll discuss in a minute that could round out your team, but you want to have a spine with you know, the likes of Salah, the like of potentially KDB as a differential uh, instead of Sun, and, and just really attack the remaining five game weeks. There are going to be double game weeks throughout. And if you have your wild card, you can set up today to make sure that your team is optimized for each of the remaining five game weeks. And I think that's possible if you have your wild card. Yeah, absolutely. So Corey also asks, if you're planning to bench boost in double game week 37, who are the best budget options to target? So whether you're bench boosting in 36 or 37, again, we would recommend 36 because that's the huge um, last kind of double game week of the season. But there are lots of opportunities to get in the likes of Villa players, Crystal Palace, Everton, and Leicester all have some cheap options. So uh, where, where do we start here to just shout out of you know, four or five of the players that we recommend? Yeah, I just want to echo what you said. So 36 is going to be tied for the largest game week of the season with 10 double game week playing teams at 37 is going to be slightly smaller, but it's going to be a little more differential. So I think you have to just decide if you're going to wild card or if you're going to bench boost, which one makes sense for your team. And then when you do that, all your transfers, all your plans center around 
making sure your team is set up for that bench boost in 36 or 37. Now for Alec, who's going to be wild carding potentially in 34, I think being able to use your bench boost sooner is better for your strategy. So I would use it in 36, but Corey, if you're set on using bench boost in 37, the kind of most budget options I would want to have are all from teams that have a double game week in 37. So I'd start planning that today, bringing in some cheapies to make sure that your team is well set up with three playing bench players for that bench boost in 37. And I would have some framework of Gordon from Everton. He's 4.6 million, really good double game week. And someone who also doubles in 36. So if you don't have a free hit, you could use him for the rest of the season. He's a good asset to have in your third bench until he has a double game week. Uh, I also like a lot of the crystal palace players. I've been burned by many of them before this season, but uh, I think Gaita in goal at 4.6 million is a great replacement shout for Ramsdale at 5.1 million. I think Olise he's 5.4 million. Mateta is 5.2 million. Uh, Olise is in, excuse me, Olise is in midfield. Mateta is a forward. So whatever position you are, have holes or problems in that's uh, a natural fit there. And if you have Doherty, I would really think about Gehi on crystal palace. He's 4.5 million. He's a lock. He's been a rock for them in defense. And I really like the idea that they, in my mind, have one of the easiest double game weeks in 37 and he's very lightly owned. So I think that's a great differential and someone who I've earmarked as a potential transfer target for me. Yeah, Crystal Palace are definitely interesting for the double game week in 37. Zaha is on pens. He's looking a bit more lively and rejuvenated under Vieira. So I think he's also a shout. He's 6.8 million. And then in addition to Gehi, I would also look at Anderson, who's had a couple of assists this season. He's 4.6 million. I actually prefer him to Gehi. So some good options, some good bench fodder. But uh, when you're looking at, again, your squad, you want to get those heavy hitters from the top teams who have uh, a lot to play for, and then round it out with these mid-priced 4 to 4.5 to 5.5 million pound players that you can have on your bench. But um, again, we're going to see some massive, massive scores. I, I'm expecting 150 points from people who bench boost in double game week, um, in double game week 36. So very interesting times ahead. All right, let's keep it moving. Harrison asks about the Chelsea triple up and whether it is actually essential for double game week 34. And he also is just asking about if any of the top teams competing for uh, the fourth place finish uh, really want it because we're seeing some uh, impressive uh, ball dropping abilities from Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, and Man United over the last month. Um, so let's let's focus on the serious question, which is, do you think having three Chelsea players is essential in double game week 34? I think you should definitely focus on bringing those players in this game week. I think if you have two, that's probably plenty. Uh, I, I would probably be doubled up in the attack over doubling up in defense, just given their holes and if Rudiger is actually injured. So that's probably where I'd lean. A triple up is very aggressive, but those are players that are also going to double in game week 36. So if you're not free hitting in game week 36, then all of a sudden you're getting five matches from your Chelsea players in the amount of three game weeks. So that really helps boost your chances to spike FPL points. Yeah, I agree with you. I would want to be very 
aggressive if I had the Chelsea triple up. I think having two and potentially captaining one of those two players is plenty of coverage. Uh, and with the kind of spotty form Chelsea defense have been in specifically, I think that having two Chelsea defenders for the run-in is, is probably problematic. And that's a situation I find myself in. Great question. Let's go to the last one. Uh, Bogdeep asks about Coutinho. And I think we can expand this to all Aston Villa players. What are we going to do about the Aston Villa guys, specifically uh, kind of their talisman in the middle, which is Coutinho? What would you do, Brian? Yeah, so Coutinho obviously has not shown any form lately. But with that being said, they have delicious back-to-back double game weeks coming up. So when we're looking at their upcoming fixtures in game week 35, they play Norwich, which is a great fixture. And then after that, they're going to have Liverpool and Burnley. Obviously, Liverpool is tough. Uh, Coutinho will be going up against his old squad, but Burnley is a great fixture. And then, oh, look at this. They play Burnley again in double game week 37, and they play Crystal Palace. So you're going to want to have him most likely in your midfield for those double game weeks. So I I think he's a hold. Try and upgrade elsewhere and we've seen what Coutinho can do he popped up with 20 plus points in a previous double game week and that's definitely a potential captaincy option as well Ryan I heard you say Coutinho goes burr burr that's awesome I love that (laughs) (laughs) all right I think Brian there were a couple last minute questions that just came in that you want to make sure we address let's uh why don't you share those with our listeners Nick Hazi is asking if Ronaldo is a good late season option Uh, I think, Bucks, we've addressed this earlier. We don't think he's going to play in both these upcoming matches. We would assume that he misses probably the next match and then maybe features in the back half of the double game week. But even with that being said, his mind is going to be elsewhere the rest of the season. I think he's just a player that, you know, you you respect for what he's done in, in this Premier League season, but not somebody you bring in for FPL. You agree there? Yeah, I would I would be selling Ronaldo. I'd probably also be selling Kane and free up funds to splash elsewhere. I think specifically with Ronaldo, he's an interesting player to bring or consider bringing back in in game week 38. I think that's when a lot of players, especially older veteran players, kind of take victory laps. And I could see Ronaldo going into that game and refusing to pass to everyone and just single <laughs> single-handedly looking to put the ball on net every single time the ball comes within five feet of him, even if there's a defender that he has to kick to get through to hit the ball. So uh, I, I think Hazi, you can probably, you can probably spread the funds uh, better elsewhere. Uh, Ronaldo, I don't expect he's going to be rushing back considering that, you know, United don't have so much to play for. And then one other question from kind of a combination of both Corey Cummings and Nick Hazi. They're asking, with the season winding down and City and Liverpool having everything to play for, do you transfer in some of those big-name players like a KDB or a, like a Mane in for the likes of Son and Kane, who have been consistently getting double-digit hauls in the last month and a half? So, Bucks, what are your thoughts here? As a lot of players have a double-up of Kane and Son or are looking to possibly free up funds and get a piece of these uh, teams who are racing for the title. Yeah, great question. I think I would probably sell Kane, but I think for me, Sun is a hold. They have great fixtures, and then he's an easy swap in double game week 37 for a different player with a double game week, and that can allow you to make potentially two moves to upgrade two positions. So, uh, for example, if you went from Sun to Foden, you can then also go 
a player like Mount up to, sorry, you could go Sun to a player like Mares and then go a player like Mount up to a player like Foden. So again, it allows you to upgrade and get players in two different positions. Just the thought. Uh, so I think that Kane is a player that you could just take out right now. You want to have a massive midfield. I think we're seeing the most points are coming from midfield and defenders this season. And Kane is having a great season, but because both of us are going to be free hitting, and I think a lot of other FPL managers are planning similar for 36 if you're not going to be holding him for that double game week in 36 probably better to have more investment elsewhere in your team yeah i think this is a really interesting position to be in and one that i am in as well so i'm taking a personal interest there when we look at the positioning of kane and he's obviously having a fabulous second half of the season where he's really shown up in a big way we're seeing him be near to the mid half line and playing balls through to son who's racing on a goal and getting those uh, great shots in one-on-one situations. So Kane is still going to trickle on with the points, uh, but I see that son obviously has the higher ceiling and given his ability to be clinical, he's the one bagging those, those goals. So I would, I would keep son and use those other funds to redistribute elsewhere. Uh, Kane, you know, is obviously on pens. We haven't seen them get a pen in a while. So he's probably going to get one or two of those in the last uh, handful of game weeks. And I just want to also shout out Bucks. I know you were talking about their fixtures being so good. They play Brentford, Leicester, and Arsenal in the next three. And then Liverpool as the second half of their double game week 36. And then they play Burnley and Norwich. So you definitely want to hold a player between those two. Double up, you could probably move on from, but you, you're going to want to have a piece of that Spurs attack under Conte. Absolutely. Great point. And, uh, you know, with that, let's go, let's close out the pod on a strong note. Let's move into our final section, which is our transfer plans and captain selection. I'll go first because I want the listeners to listen to the end of the podcast and everyone's really here to follow in your footsteps, Brian, and try and emulate the season (laughs) you're having. Uh, I have two free transfers and 1.6 million in the bank. And as of taping this episode, I've already made one free transfer. I moved Kulisevsky to Mason Mount. Um, It's a little bit pricey of a move for me. Uh, So I have one move remaining and 0.2 million in the bank. And honestly, right now I'm considering everything from rolling this extra transfer to just doing a straight swap of Rudiger to Laporte. And I also had some machinations of uh, craziness, which was uh, taking like almost a mini wild card, uh, burning a couple hits, maybe even a minus eight to really set my team up optimally uh, with some multiple moves to attack Man City, as well as some future double game weeks. Wow. Wow. Bucks. Let's party. Let's have some fun. A minus eight. I mean, at this point in the season, you're 140 K overall. Right. So, you know, th- those hits definitely set you back a little bit, but if you want to try and get up as high as you can in the top hundred K a minus eight would be interesting. Who are the players on your watch list that you would even consider if you're going to make such uh, whole scale changes? Yeah. So Gaita, Laporte, Cancelo are kind of the first three that jump off the page to me. Uh, that would be for Rudiger, Doherty, and for Ramsdale. 
the other players we mentioned earlier, you know, I really like the idea of getting in a palace defender. And I love the idea of getting in either Gordon or Ramsey at some point for my midfield. But again, I'm just trying to get the most points possible. I think at this point, even considering what the impact of a hit is, is, is mind games that I don't need to be playing. I want to be playing uh, exciting brand of FPL for the remaining five game weeks and nothing's going to make it as exciting as feeling like I got points to chase and, and points uh, potentially on the pitch. And right now with Rudiger missing and James also missing, uh, you know, I feel like, and Doherty injured. I just feel like there there's rooms for upgrade in my team. Bucks. I have to disagree with you wholeheartedly. If you're going to make fantasy fun again, you can't be taking hits to bring in goalkeepers to bring in uh, 4.5 million pound defenders. You got to bring in some attackers. Where's like the likes of Timo Werner or Havertz on a double up for Chelsea attack. That seems a lot more uh, fun and uh, versus uh, making goalie transfers, which we usually, you know, despise, but I know it would free up some funds for you. Yeah, you know, the, I have triple Liverpool and triple Chelsea, but no City players in my team. So that's the most glaring issue. And uh, looking to captaincy, I have the armband on Mo Salah right now. The fact that I brought in Mason Mount gives me some options and flexibility. But I think that Salah is just the best player in the world. And so he's my captain for double game week 34, even though he only has a single game week. All right, let's flip the page. Ladies and gentlemen, the leader of the FPL Blues podcast, Super League, and clearly the best manager this season on the FPL Blues podcast. Brian, what are you doing with your two free transfers? Uh, these glowing remarks never get old, Bucks. Thank you for handing the microphone back to me so I it's can a talk different about season. my potential. It's a, it's a, it's a different <laughs> season uh, in five game weeks, so don't get used to it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Next season is a whole another challenge for us to navigate. But all right, so looking at my squad right now, I have 0.0 in the bank, but I have two free transfers. So I think I'm going to look at making some big moves and basically take a minus four to bring in three new players. What I'm really focusing on is my future strategy of preparing for double game week 37. So in my current I'm going to probably move on from Kane because I need to free up some funds so I can fund double game week players. And so I'm probably going to drop him to Mateta, who I don't know is nailed, but is 5.2 million. Um, and he's a player that has a really tidy double game week in 37. So I'll probably bring him in. And then I'm going to upgrade Ramsey in the midfield to Mason Mount, who again, he's going to price rise. I want to try and catch that. I do really like Mason Mount, and I know you and I are just such a fan of his game overall. And then I'm also looking to upgrade with those extra funds from Kane. I'm going to move White, who has been a great soldier. I'm a huge Ben White fan. He got a lot of sixes and sevens for me throughout their kind of really great streak at Arsenal where they're getting a lot of clean sheets. But I'm going to move you know, him on and bring in Cancelo in that spot. So I feel like I'm really getting two big upgrades with this hit. And then I'll have two Chelsea players, I'll have two Man City players, and then I'll have three Liverpool players. So I feel like that's a good kind of move for me. And then moving forward, I'm also going to have 1.6 in the bank, and I'm going to probably use that money to 
uh, get Coutinho in for game week 35 for another hit. So I already have two hits scheduled for the next couple of game weeks. But again, looking at my rank, I'm really trying to push for the top 10K and I have two free hits. So my moves are different as well. You know, I'm going to free hit in game week 36 and then likely free hit in game week 38 for a kind of end of season shebang. So that's where I'm at, Bucks. How do you rate those moves? Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, Kane to Mateta is a little bit of a, of a toss up because I think <laughs> Mateta and really betting on the Crystal Palace forwards is a fool's errand, as I've experienced. I mean, multiple times Bucks, this season. Bucks, I'm, Bucks, I'm pretty much um, you know dropping the talent from Kane to Mateta. It's like dropping from like my overall rank to your overall rank this season. It's it's a big gulf, but it's going to free up some funds for me, so I might have to do it. That was so fucked up. I'm not even going to address it. Let's keep it moving. Who's your captain? <laughs> oh, man. So if only um, Mateta was uh, actually 140K, uh, he would be well worth it at 5.2 million. He's probably more in like the two, two and a half million. Uh, the guy doesn't even see the pitch in, in some matches. He's definitely not the kind of player or even he can't even stand in Harry Kane's shadow, uh, let alone be a, a like for like <laughs> swap for him. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be running a, a 5-4-1 for the rest of the season or a 4-5-1, to be honest. So I'm just going to have kind of one striker and and consequences there. Um, really inspired by anybody else. And I just wanted to highlight like why I'm choosing to move Kane on instead of Sun. Again, we think Sun's a goal scorer, but I also got Sun in so early that I have 0.8 of value built up in him. And this is uh, kind of the super nerdy part of FPL, but I, if I take Sun out now and then I bring him in for free hit in 36 or free hit in 38, I'm going to have to pay so much more money for him. So that was also a, another adding factor to why I decided to move on from Kane. Um, going to captaincy, I'm up in the air right now between Mo Salah and Mason Mount, who is not even in my squad yet, but uh, his double looks to be appealing and they'll want to you know right the ship after getting embarrassed versus Arsenal. So I, I really hope that you know, he delivers. So those two will be my captain and vice captain. I just don't know the order yet. Salah could be back in the goals. I just want to make sure his minutes and the presser from Klopp seems that he's going to start in that match. And then he's obviously, he can explode for 15 points in any match. So uh, definitely something to consider there. Yeah, he needs all of about five minutes to uh, run at Jordan Pickford and the Everton defense to get a return. So I uh, I definitely think that whether <laughs> he gets uh, 65 or 45 minutes, uh, Mo Salah is just, he's so legit. And uh, I really rate him just as he's currently the best player in the world to my eyes. All right, I think that brings us to the end. Uh, Brian, you're still in the cup. I am not. Uh, kind of encapsulates oh, the season I'm having. Womp, uh, womp. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the FPL Blues podcast. This is actually our 47th episode, and so we're really excited. We're going to be passing the 50-episode mark in due course. We really appreciate you listening, you getting involved with questions, and joining the FPL Blues podcast Super League. Thank you. Uh, green arrows for both of us, for all of our listeners, and let's hope for big things and some good results uh, in real life and in FPL in Double Game Week 34. Really appreciate the engagement this week with the questions. Helps two blokes like us produce the podcast. It makes it a lot easier on us. So appreciate that. And best of luck this upcoming game week. Let's go. Let's do it.